Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Top Dog Talk post-game review. We have Brent Wilson, Wyatt Felton here for the post-game review. Not only will we be talking Georgia basketball, we will be talking Georgia football as well. A really good day for us yesterday. Georgia won in basketball and in football. We blew out Missouri 49-14. to A really good victory for the Dogs. But not only that, while I was sitting down watching the Georgia, not Georgia, the LSU-Florida game, I got a close game alert for the Georgia basketball game. Georgia playing Sanford last night in the Stag. Our guy, Brent Wilson, was there from SI Dogs Daily. Brent, how you doing today? Doing good. How about you? Good. I, you know, Wyatt pointed out right before we went live that, uh, you know, your voice might be sounding a little tired. So, uh, you know, let's get your thoughts on the game. I know it's probably a little frustrating, but also at the same time, very exciting uh, that we were all, we were able to pull out the dub. Yes. I mean, it's a, uh, everyone's going to have games where you come out flat and, and it's good to face adversity early on in the season. Uh, and you, coming in, you don't think Georgia's going to face a lot of adversity playing, uh, mostly mid-major schools for the first seven games. So uh, it's good for Georgia to face some adversity before um, conference play. And I'm glad that they put out the dub. Yeah, man, it was, it's really, this basketball team is, you know, really young and really exciting to watch. I, I really like how they uh, carry themselves, you know, severe wheelers, probably one of the best guards in the conference right now. I love his passing, his pass first mentality. He's a team guy. You know, really good le- leader, and you know, you kind of develop a relationship with Severe. Obviously, you interviewed him back over the summer. What is it about Severe that makes him so special of a player, in your opinion? Uh, like I've said before, he's he's, he's super cerebral. Uh, he's he's a leader, even uh, even though he's just a sophomore, he he gets the game, he understands it, and he's the most vocal guy on the team, in my opinion. And uh, I believe this was mentioned a, a couple days ago. He rooms with. Uh, Andrew Garcia and Justin Kyer. So him hanging around the older guys just uh, adds on to his um, maturity level already, which which helps him to be the, the leader of this team. And, and, you know, we had really solid outings from P.J. Horn, Severe Wheeler, Ty Fagan, Justin Kyer, and Andrew Garcia off the bench again. Obviously, you know, Kyer, I know you put on your Twitter line that Kyer was keeping us in the game. What did Kyer do uh, to keep us in the game yesterday, <laughs> and what makes him special for the season? Uh, well, well Sanford was, was having uh, – they were shooting the ball well from, from three-point, um, mostly in the second half. And Kyer was, was answering a finish four for nine from three-point. And he also had some a couple uh, – Nice mid-range shots. He finished six or twelve from from the field. Uh, Eighteen points led the team in scoring. So uh, that offensive boost really helped Georgia in a game where they were not having much luck getting the the ball to go in the basket. It was really like you said, the three-point shooting of Kyer hitting you know four threes. That's that's huge. We need a three-point shooter on this team. We need multiple. And you know with a guy like Wheeler. You get that pass-first mentality guard. You put him next to a guy. You put him next to a few shooters. You can get a really good rebounder. You got a pretty good team there. Um, I was really happy to see Tyron McMillan in the game, the young freshman, obviously. Uh, excuse me, the sophomore. Um, young sophomore, obviously, he's a guy that um, I'm looking at to kind of step up, um, you know, probably by midseason, kind of make an impact. Uh, you know, other than the guys we already mentioned, you know, who really surprised you uh, yesterday in this win over Sanford? Well, I'm going to come out with a little bit of a hot take, uh, and I'm going to say the biggest impact outside of 
of maybe Kyer and Wheeler was Jackson Etter, the uh, walk-on sophomore. Uh, Etter, Etter uh, was subbed into the game about halfway through the first half, and everyone just kind of looked around at each other, was a little bit confused because he's not normally in the rotation. But if you know Etter, Etter's a, he's a hard worker. Uh, last night, Kareen even said he has to come up, he has to make up stuff to get mad at him about in practice just because he's he works so hard. He, he's, he's very efficient. So he goes in the game last night, and, uh, you know, Georgia comes out a little bit cold. Edder brought some energy to the to the team. Uh, he, he went in there. Uh, he's, he's making his cuts. He's he's boxing out. He ended up getting a, st- uh, a key steal in the in the first half. And then Kareem subs him in again uh, in crunch time with about two or three minutes left in the game. And then he hits the the go-ahead shot to give Georgia the first lead of the night. You know, and that's 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 going to be a feel-good story if he can continue to, you know, impress and get more minutes and be in the rotation. Obviously, like you said, you know, if, Tom, if your head coach is having to make up reasons to get mad at you, you know, that, that just shows that you have a really good relationship and then you're doing something right. Um, so very happy for him. I think that's a really good shout by Brent there. And obviously – you know, we were all wondering, you know, with, with Cincinnati on the horizon and SEC play on the horizon, how important – I know White talked about this right before we came on air. How important is this game against Cincinnati right before we head into SEC play? Uh, it's, it's extremely important to, to give Georgia it's – it's an opportunity for Georgia to get a marquee win uh, for, their, for their resume ahead of conference play, so – a chance to beat a, a team that's going to be at the at the top of their conference would definitely help their case come March. Uh, but what Georgia's going to need to do uh, to to win, or ho- hopefully Georgia will have Tumani Kamara back. Uh, obviously, one of the best players on the team. He was out this past uh, or last night, and then hopefully uh, Georgia can find a way to get Katie Johnson eligible. Their their uh, highly touted freshman guard. He hasn't been able to play this year. Crean uh, said he's dealing with some academic inel- uh, ineligibility from the NCAA. Uh, there's no telling when he comes back, but having his presence uh, on offense and defense will, will definitely off the bench will help Georgia. Most definitely, and I think you know you bring up Kamara missing. Yeah, and Kamara is obviously, I think, one of our best players on the team. I think he's going to be, you know, if he keeps playing really well, he could be a first-round draft pick like you mentioned last year. You know, how much of his absence had an impact on this team? You know, obviously, Georgia fans, uh, you know, being playing a close game with Sanford is never satisfying, even if it is, uh, considering our, the history that our basketball team has, which, you know, we haven't really been relatively a, a really successful program, you know. What went wrong last night, and if so, you know, if any, did, did Kamara's impact have, you know, absence have an impact on this team? Well, uh, Georgia was definitely having, was struggling, uh, you know, just getting bunnies to fall. Whether it was, you know, they 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 were they couldn't, they were they were not able to to get anything to go down low, which which they usually uh, have a lot of luck doing, and and on top of that, they couldn't shoot from outside, so they were having having trouble putting points up on the board, and you know, Kamara's. Kamara's going to give you, you know, double-digit points every every night. So it, it's tough not having one of your your top scorers out there. And then also Kamara's a, a really good rebounder, really good defender. So that hurts too when when Sanford's, you know, getting a lot of points in the paint. It, it would have it would have definitely helped to have Kamara out there last night. 
I, I can't wait to get him back. This team is growing and gaining more experience. Obviously, it's not, you know, like Brooke said on last week's podcast, you know, this whole season was an accident, you know, football, basketball. It, it really was with what, everything going on in the world. So we're really grateful to have basketball. And, you know, I, I just want to bring this up because we talked about this before we started recording, you know, a really bad day in the SEC as a whole, um, especially when you have a player um, of the caliber, like I'm about to mention, that went down with uh, – you know, he just collapsed at mid. Uh, he just collapsed on the court last night. Uh, former, you know, current uh, junior at Florida, Keontae Johnson, collapsed during the game against FSU. Obviously, he was uh, looking to be one of the best players in the SEC. So, our thoughts and prayers go out to Keontae Ingram. He he's really one of the best players in the SEC, and hopefully, he uh, can get back to health and hopefully, he can get back on the basketball court. Uh, his condition. As to what made him collapse is unknown. I do know if, from what I heard he did have COVID a month ago. Um, if there is any underlying conditions from that, hopefully he can recover and make a full recovery and start playing basketball again. One of the most bright um, players in this conference. So you never want to see a player go down, especially in these circumstances. Thank you, Brent, for giving us up an update on the Georgia Dogs. You know, obviously in Cincinnati on the Georgia basketball um, program. Obviously, Cincinnati is our next game, and you know it, it's the game right before SEC play. Hopefully, the Dogs can pull out another win to improve to six and zero. Real quick, I you know shot over a message to Brent last night, bringing up uh, a potential coincidence. The year after Dominique Wilkins left the Georgia Bulldogs uh, for the NBA, Georgia went to the Final Four. This year, we're five and zero which is, you know, the season after Anthony Edwards left us. Is it a coincidence or, you know, is there something actually going on here? So we'll see about that. Moving on to football, obviously a great day to be a Georgia Bulldog. Brent, we're going to open up with you first, then we'll get to Wyatt. What do you think of Georgia's performance? A 49-14 to victory over Missouri, a top 25-ranked Missouri. Um, whether people agree with it or not, they were a top 25-ranked team. You know, what were your thoughts on the game and, you know, what went well and what went wrong? Well, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going wrong, especially in in the latter parts of the game. I'm just uh, I'm really uh, excited that Georgia has found a quarterback that trusts George Pickens. Uh, it's it's exciting to see, uh, you know. Well, you know, Pickens this is his second year now, and and everyone knows his playmaking ability, his body control, and if you if you put the ball anywhere close to him, he's he's going to make a ball. You know, a lot of times called a fifty fifty ball. It's really a hundred zero ball for for Pickens. He, you know, he's going to come down with this. So it's good to see Daniels. He's, he's trusting Pickens. He's he's giving him opportunities to make plays on the ball, and Pickens is coming down with it. You saw that yesterday: five receptions, hundred twenty six yards, two touchdowns. And you know, George Pickens. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I don't know about y'all, but he's my offensive top dog of the week um, by a mile. Had a really good game. You know, like well, like Brent said, you know, the connection that they're building, JT and Pickens, is, is tremendous. And, you know, I, I think it could be one of the leading factors in trying to keep JT in Athens for another year um, this coming offseason. Wyatt, let's get you in here. Wyatt, what did you think of the game? You know, what went well and what went wrong, for, uh, in your opinion? Nothing went really wrong, like Brent said. Um, let's talk about the running backs. I mean, um, Four men, uh, four guys got in the mix. Even Milton went, made the trip, but he didn't have to play. Um, that's Kirby's mo. If you're hurt um, and not healthy, you don't have to play him. So that's a good thing always to keep him rested and hopefully he plays this weekend or in the ball games. Um, he would have probably had a hundred yards too. Um, I mean, James Cooks looks like an NFL running back. I mean, that's that that's the kid that I expected coming out of high school. But it took him a couple years to get going, and 
he he just makes it look so easy. And Samir had the um, burst that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, Kenny Magatage looks like DeAndre Swift and Sony Michelle together, which is very scary for next year. Um, Edwards is really gifted too. So, and the wide receiver room played together. Um, let's talk about Darnell Washington getting involved. Those tight ends. Maybe that's a sign for what's coming on Wednesday. Um, I mean, anything is possible at this point, but my point is the offense is rolling. Offensive line had issues in the, in the first half, but they, um, Matt Luke got them together and he pushed through and the offensive line came through the whole game. And it's without an offensive line, you don't have the running game of that, um, in the passing game. So, um, O-line is my probably top dog of the weakest it's the O-line. I mean, without them, you wouldn't have 615 total yards yesterday. A really good performance all around, and you bring up the performances of Edwards, McIntosh, White, basically that whole um, running back room, and obviously we got a lot of guys in, and really, you know, talking about the offensive line real quick, uh, you know, the two sacks that had them, that Missouri had against us yesterday, I, I really think one of them, um, you know, right when we snapped the ball, basically that guy was right in his face. You know, it was kind of like an Adam Anderson type play where Anderson just comes, you know, speeding off the edge. I, I think um, if I'm not correct, if I'm not wrong, it looked like a little um, an option play, maybe an RPO. Um, and I, I, I think JT probably should have handed it off in hindsight. And, you know, I, I don't know what happened. Just maybe the play broke down because you see both Jamari Salyer and Justin Schaefer pulling to the right side of the line. So something tells me that's an option play with something like that happening. And I, I could be wrong, so we'll have to see when we look back at this game and, and really find out what went wrong. But, you know, like White said, this offensive line played well. They've set the tone, you know, not only this game, not only this season, but for the past, you know, two, three years on Coach Smart, everything starts up front in football. And, and really this offensive line and the defensive line, let's give them credit as well. They set the tone and, you know, really proud of what we've seen. And here's, you know, we talked about the running backs real quick. Why brings up the fact that James Cook looks like an NFL running back. And one of the things that Georgia fans have in their minds and something in the back of my mind, and Brent, I'm bringing you in on this one, you know, we have two running backs right now that are eligible to go to the NFL draft. You know, James Cook and Zemir White, you know, out of those two guys, you know, if you had to give them advice, you know, or who's the likeliest option to come back? My my, my pick is, is, is Cook. I think Cook could benefit more from another season, but, you know, I wouldn't mind having both of them back. What's your opinion? Uh, same here. I, I would. I love to see both the, both of those guys come back next year. And I think you think James Cook could benefit from another year, uh, especially to see him as the the alpha the alpha back next year. Uh, if if Zamir were to leave, I think if Zamir can can uh, if he sees himself as as a running back going between anywhere from the third to fifth round, as I say, you take your money and go. Uh, given his injury history and uh, just, you know, every, I think, you know, he's number one running back coming out of high school. Everyone knows how talented he is, even if he didn't uh, live up to the ex expectations as, as much as everyone wanted him to. I think if he sees himself going anywhere between third and fifth round, he should go. He's a steal, man. And that third or fifth round, I mean, there's no doubt about this kid's talent. Wyatt, let's bring you in here. Wyatt, obviously, you know, if two running backs leave, we've seen the effect that that can have on a recruiting class without giving anything away. You know, what are these the decisions these two guys have on Georgia's recruiting outlook, um, especially at that running back position? Great question. Um, 
I don't really think it affects their recruiting as much as um, you think. Um, I think one or two could leave. Um, that would make room for the scholarship players, which is a benefit for this year. Um, my answer to this is probably all not favorite answer. I think Cook is the beneficial running back that could leave, um, only because that's what the NFL teams love. Um, Zamir's, in my opinion, is a third or fourth late round pick. Um, he just doesn't have the burst as he used to. I think he can work on that next year. Um, benefit of staying another year. So my pick is Samir stays and Cook goes because Cook is going to get used a lot more in the NFL. And when he goes to the combine, teams are going to love him. All the teams are. So um, that's my pick for the answer. I, I think Cook is a guy that's, uh, you know, we, we, we see it a lot. And I think Nico Harmon's one of these guys that we talk about when you talk about this, is a guy that's going to do better in the NFL than he did in college. And, and you know, hats off to Nico Harmon. If he came back for another year, you know, 2019, a lot of our problems we had there wouldn't have been there because, you know, you talk about Nico Harmon, Riley Ridley coming back, you know, a bunch of what ifs, you know, we would have benefited from that and probably would have done a lot better than we did last year. But, James Cook's going to be a guy that's going to be a back that's going to do way better in the NFL than he is in college. You know, he, he's had to sit behind guys like DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield ever since he's gotten here. So, you know, I, I think we're starting to see him put it all together. You know, you look at his ball-carrying vision. I, I don't think his vision was always there. I think that was there was room for improvement there, and he's really, really uh, improved there. You see him kind of, you know, it seemed like he was just running to wherever the, wherever the play was designed to go. He wasn't cutting back and, and trying to find the other hole you know, the open hole, he was just running into uh, defenders, it seemed like, and he wasn't really making people miss. And now he's starting to do that. So, you know, Del McGee, Todd Munkin, whatever they've done to help him, hats off to them. They've done a tremendous job with these backs, you know, to bring a guy like Samir White back after two ACL injuries. That's tremendous work. And you got to give a shout out to Ron Corson over at that medical department. They, they do a tremendous job with keeping these kids healthy. Uh, so, you know, like, like these guys said, you know, our running backs are going to get a lot of love. And our O-line our, our deserves a lot of credit for our performance yesterday. Let's switch over to the defense real quick. And actually, before we do that, I want to touch on this. You know, Wyatt brought up the fact that Darnell Washington was involved yesterday. You know, four, they looked at him four times. You know, they went to him four times on one drive. And, you know, he made two catchers, 61 yards. Wyatt, what you take away from Georgia trying to get, you know, a tight end involved? Obviously, that could be a little nod to a guy like Eric Gilbert, who is expected to enter the transfer portal at some point. You know, what did you take away from Darnell Washington? And, and really, I, I, I think Darnell is one of those guys that Georgia needs to get involved more just because of his pure talent. Yeah, like you said, um, that's Tom Monkett's M.O. Um, he comes from the NFL, and they use a lot of two tight end sets. Um, so Tom Monkett is using his offense uh, on his, I think this is the ninth, ninth game. So um, like Kirby said yesterday in his um, post-game press conference, um, this is not the fifth time that they're hearing. This is like the 95th time that they're hearing all this um, scheming stuff. So um, all these freshmen are getting the offense, and they're just benefiting from it. Um, Darn has been used all year, to be honest with you, in different sets that Tom Huckin uses them. And now he's going out and catches the um, catches passes now because um, he's just that big. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to guard him in the next couple of years. Um, so we're just trying to get him ready for next year. Um in the weeks coming up. So my answer is that these tight ends are good enough to go out and catch them. So why not use them? And Tom Munkin is. He's just using his offense through 
to the fullest, and it's showing right now. And Brent, let's get you in on this. Obviously, you know the 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 future. Um, you know the impact that this has on the future. These last few games that you know are going to end our season this year uh, has a big impact on on what you know next season and the season after that's going to look like. You know, what is the future looking like for Georgia in your opinion, and what needs to happen to make sure that Georgia takes that next step next season? Well, I think you got to continue. You know. But modernizing the offense, uh, you're seeing Georgia air it out a lot more um, than than years past or, or weeks past, even. Uh, so I think Georgia's just gotta gotta continue to show that they're they're modernizing the offense like like all the other uh, national competitors are. And uh, I wanted to add on to Darnell. You know, he's just like it, it's exciting to to see him play, and, and hopefully we'll have. I read Gilbert here next year, but seeing Darnell uh, get targets, you know, he's, he's what, 6'7", 250, and, and there's not a lot of defensive backs or, or, or safeties or linebackers that match up to him size-wise. So as long as the ball is, is put on point, he's either going to come down with the catch or he's going to draw a P.I. call. So exciting to see him play. And, you know, I think A. Rick Gilbert is uh, the guy that really overshadows him because these guys come from both come from the 2020 class. And obviously, A. Rick, a. Rick is, uh, you know, a former, tra- you know, he, he moved to tight end after playing receiver for most of his career. And, you know, he, he he's the really flashy kind of Kyle Pitts type of guy um, that everyone's going to be talking about and holding. You know, that's going to be the standard bear at the tight end position for years to come. But Darnell Washington is is, is uh, special in his own right. Like like Brent said, he's six, seven guys. He's huge. I mean, he can go play power forward for Georgia's basketball team. Um, and he would probably be one of the tallest people we have on the team if you wanted to play basketball. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that he's probably pretty athletic to play basketball if he wanted to. So, uh, you know, let's talk about the defense real quick. These guys don't get enough love. You know, we saw the return of Jordan Davis. Going back to Brent real quick. Brent, what did you see from this defense this week that was different than the last two weeks? Uh, well, I think one of the big things Georgia did with they, they – uh... They closed in and had really good form uh, tackling this week uh, compared to, you know, some weeks, you know, they, they just they can't bring them down. And, and one of the main guys you talk about is, is Monty Rice uh, having a good closing speed, good form tackling. Uh, but some other names in there that, that uh, sh- showed that. Uh, Quay Walker had a couple of those. Um, always Lewis Seen always closes good. And Channing Tindall, all, all those guys you saw, they – they they use their speed, uh, good form tackling. So it's exciting to see that. Most definitely. I mean, you know, they, they talked about it um, in the off week since Vanderbilt kind of got postponed that, you know, they wanted to get back to the basics and really work on tackling because I think the announcers put it, it may have been DJ Shockley, former Bulldog, said, you know, by the end of the season, tackling, you know, those basic fundamentals kind of fall off and, and guys start lacking. Um, in those departments, and that was really a really good call by the, the you know the Georgia defensive staff to work on that. Wyatt, let's bring you in here. Obviously, this defense, um, there's there's an expected mass exodus um, this season. Uh, you know, at the defense, you know, you got guys like Malik Herring, Jordan Davis, Richard LeCount, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, all of these guys, Monty Rice, all these guys, you know, could leave for the draft. Uh, most of them will, and most of them are already seniors. So let's talk about this real quick. I, I was very I'm surprised when I found out that Eric Stokes was left off the list for the Thorpe Award. You know, what is your take on how Eric Stokes has played this season? And, and, you know, how in the heck do these guys leave him off the Thorpe Award list? 
Great question. Um, it's not my answer, but Eric Sosa has played really well with his third interception from yesterday on his return over a touchdown again. Um, it's very hard to lead him off the um, award list because he hasn't given him a pass over 20 yards in um, a couple um, – actually this year he hasn't done it. So he's just doing stuff that um, Kirby wants him to do, um, and it it's pulling an effect. And when Kirby's coaching the DBs, you can see it because they – um, play very tight and they listen to what Kirby has to say. Um, this defense plays very well in the back end, and when they're playing well together, um, no one can pretty much go to toe to toe with them. Um, so you're just seeing them involved into, and a lot of young people will get the MO next year, and hopefully they get it beforehand when they play some big teams next year, like Clemson and number one. Um, so it when Kirby um, gets to their head and they start playing together, you start seeing it, um, and you just start seeing it all over the place. It's not just the DBs; it's everywhere. So, when Dan Lanning and Kirby Smart on the same um, plan, it's and this and the players number one are on the same plan, and they had and they're on the same plan as practice, and they move it to the game. Um, it's just very hard to beat Georgia with the great defense that we are. So it's just um, going to be very very easy this this week and upcoming week that you just start seeing more players um, come in. I don't expect um, Kirby to keep the starters in, but maybe like five or six series, I expect a lot of other guys to play this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it looks like we can put up 60 on Vanderbilt, maybe even 70 if we wanted to, um, if we keep the starters in. I mean, that's just where Vanderbilt's program is at and historically has been at. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's just crazy that Eric Stokes is a guy left off the throw board list. He, he's definitely one of the one of the best, you know, defensive backs in the country. He, he's going to be in the NFL. He's going to play well in the NFL. And I think that comes down to him not being the most flashiest of corners. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you, you know, eight or nine picks um, a season. You know, he's just not that guy. He is a guy you put on their best receiver and he will shut them down. He's not a guy that gets his name called a lot on the announcing you know, he's not doing much other than just locking down their best receiver. And that's what he's good at. And, you know, and I, I think the difference between Georgia and Florida is Georgia is much more focused on team success than individual success. And I think, you know, I'm going to talk about this real quick before we wrap it up. You know, it, it seemed like Florida's play diminished as the season went on after they played us. It seems like they got a little cocky and a little too focused on winning Kyle Trask, a Heisman. And uh, it, it's inexplicable to me how you bench your best, how you keep your best best player out of the game when he's healthy for Kyle Pitts. And I get it. You know, you're trying to protect him. You want to keep him healthy. I get that. But from what everyone said, he was fully healthy and, you know, he wanted to play. So I, I don't get that. Uh, Brent, what was your reactions to Florida dropping that game against LSU? Well, I, di- I didn't get to watch uh, too much, uh, much of it. I was uh, on the way back from uh, Athens. But um, – I really think Florida got caught up. You know, they won, they won their Super Bowl over Georgia. That that's that's the uh, the underlying message here. I think uh, that that's what they have wanted to do uh, for for three years now. They finally got it, and and they 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 let it get to their heads and didn't stay focused. And uh, I think it, it really hurts now. I mean, their their season's not c- completely over. Uh, you could still somehow find a way to, to beat Bama and get in. But I think, you, you you know, that 
the chances of that happening are, are very slim. And uh, had Georgia or had Florida not dropped this game to LSU, uh, there's a chance they still get in with two losses, and, and one of those being to Bama. So, uh, really tough blow for Florida. You know, I, I don't know what it would take for 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 me to throw a shoe downfield. You know, 20, 30 yards downfield. Uh, that's just inexplicable to me. You know, that's this that's just discipline not being there. Why? What would it take for you to throw a shoe downfield in, in a game? You know, saving situation like that. Um, heading towards the SEC championship that you probably could win. Um, and being a little too cocky, like Brent said, I can repeat what everything Brett said because that's pretty much what I would say. Um, let's throw it out there. Um, Georgia is Kobe's champions for the. Um, I mean, you beat you beat you beat Georgia right for the first time in three years, like Brent said, and you still don't win an East title by yourself. And um very sad um i said this beforehand um i don't know what if any florida fans listen to this um i hope you don't because what i'm about to say is dml is never gonna lead you to a championship i really don't think if you can keep your team together that um and put them and discipline them and and care for them like um you know kirby does it's just not gonna win you championships i don't think anytime soon um, Damon is not your guy. Um, he wasn't a Mississippi State. He has teams. He has quarterbacks like you see, like Tim Tebow. But um, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, Damon didn't win you a national championship when he was at Florida. Urban Meyer did. Um, so it's just it's another truth that you probably never win a championship. And and I wouldn't want to play next weekend. I would I would um, call on a friend to play for you next weekend because this could not be nice. To, um, and Nick Saban is going to um, send you back to Gainesville with a, not a championship. So um, that's what I got to say. That's my final thoughts. Obviously, uh, you know, Dan Mullen is – he's a good coach. And, and, and you know, there is the, the jury's still out on whether or not he's going to win a championship. And let's, let's be honest here, the jury's still out on whether Kirby Smart's going to win you a championship. You know, right now our second-best coach of all time, Mark Rick, you know, he, he's our second best coach of all time as of right now. Kirby's hot on his trail, but, uh, you know, he didn't win a championship either. You know, it, it takes a certain level of coaching, recruiting to be, to, you know, to do it. So, you know, they haven't recruited the highest level over there in Gainesville. And I, I think you have to be elite in recruiting to win a title. Um, and then, you know, you, you have to be good coaches. And I, I think Florida, they have a good coaching staff over there, but it's as good as it should be. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I would have to go follow Florida for a few years to kind of figure out what the problem is. And, you know, right now uh, I'm a little more focused and worried about whether or not Georgia's um, going to win a ch- title in the next few years. So let's close it out with our top dogs of the week. Brent, you got uh, who was your top dog of the week on offense and on defense this week? Uh, I think if – if uh, like like you said earlier, I think I got to go with, with Pickens as the top dog on offense. He just – he completely dominated and quite out embarrassed uh, Missouri on defense. There was nothing they could do with them. No amount of coverage was was good enough for him, and uh, the stats reflect that. On defense, I gotta go. I gotta go with with Eric Stokes, like y'all said earlier. He's just he's flat out one of the best corners in the in the country. It's it's a shame that he's not on the uh, Jim Thorpe Award finalist. But uh, I think that that pick uh, early in the game really set the tone for how this game was gonna go. 
And uh, without this, you know, there, there's no telling if uh, Missouri would have stayed in the game a little bit longer than they, they would have. Bingo. There you go. Brent, Brent's putting it to you at the whole picture. Um, you know, the importance of that pick is, is just undeniable. That, that was huge, really big moment in the early parts of the game. You know, that kind of that kind of hurt their uh, momentum and hurt their confidence, you could tell. Uh, Missouri wasn't the same after that pick. Why? Who you got? You said the offensive line just a few minutes ago. Are you going to stick with that after further uh, time to think about it? And then who you got on defense? I'll start with defense. Um, I'm going to go with – Man, I, I think everyone played well. I think let's give it to Jordan Davis. Um, being back is a big one. Um, he stopped the running game with, um, I think, Missouri like twenty-five rushing yards. So, give it to the defense front. I think Jordan Davis having him made an impact in the whole defense. I think, and maybe best of luck, best players. Um, if Georgia plays this weekend, you get rich to the count back. Um, for his last home game, and I think he might play. Um, but I'm going to give it to Jordan Davis on offense. I'm actually going to give it to JT Daniels because the way he's playing right now is better than Mississippi State and South Carolina because he actually made some game management decisions during the during the game that I saw he didn't do in the last two weeks. I think he has full command of the offense. Tom Huggins gave him the keys. He ran with it, and he did very well, and he almost had 300 yards again. Um Guys, he's in full control of that offense. I don't think he's leaving. Um, Tomo can trust him, and um, you saw it yesterday. He really didn't look to the sideline at all. He he knew what he was doing, so I'm going to give it to JT Daniels. And I want to make a quick point here because I was talking. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, last year we didn't really know who was to blame for some of the some of the play calling we had. You know, on, on third and ten, we were in a halfback draw and we punted. You know, it was really run, 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 punt. Um, that was our game plan last year, but the, the one difference is this year, you know, from right now to last year is from what I've seen, I don't think JT Daniels is making many calls and checks at the line. It, it, it seems like he trusts that play call that Todd Munkin gives him and nine times out of 10, it's, it's the right play call. You know, sometimes, you know, it's not there because of the execution, but you know, it, there's not as many checks, you know, it, it seems like they really trust this style and this system. I think that's the big difference this year, you know, because Jake would, would make a lot of checks uh, and calls up the line. We really don't see that this year, and maybe um, that's because they, they've changed their way of doing things, but I think that's made the difference this year. You know, everyone, uh, you know, agrees with the play calling system. They agree with the call that is, uh, you know, with the play that's called in. So I think the confidence in this staff and in Todd Munkin uh, it, it has made the difference this year, and that, that I think that's the big thing, and obviously the play offensively has improved from week one all the way to week 10 this weekend. So offensively, I'm sticking with my pick, George Pickens. You know, Brent talked about it. The kid is a player. When he is focused, when he's in the game, when he's in the game plan, there's no one better than him at that receiver position. You know, he he could go and win the Blinton Cup Award. He just has to get rid of some of the shenanigans that he had early in the season, some of those blunders. And, you know, I, I, I think some of that was due to maybe some underlying injuries and, and maybe just – you know, not being as successful as he wants to be. And I get that. You know, you want to be the best player that you can. And when that's not happening, you know, you get frustrated. So I don't blame it. I, I don't blame him. You know, he, he's around. Uh, you know, he's in college. He's trying to have fun. He's trying to go to the NFL. He wants to make sure that he's, you know, he wants to show that he's the best player in, in the country. And that's what he's doing. Really good game from him. 
you know, obviously Wyatt with a really good shot. The offensive line, JT Daniels, really good game. You know, you really get to anyone um, on this offense this week. And, and defense, man, um, they, they already said, I mean, the two guys that are most deserving of it, Eric Stokes, you know, Jordan Davis. Obviously, Jordan Davis, you know, you, you see the difference in our pass rush when you have Jordan Davis in the middle, you know, drawing double teams. It really frees up guys like uh, Nolan Smith, Aziz Orjali. It really leaves the rest of the defense wide open on that uh, in the trenches. I, I'm going to go with Eric Stokes. I'm going to agree with Brent on this one. Really close call. You can give it to either of them. You know, they all played a really good game. So I'm really happy with how we played this week. You know, next week's Vanderbilt. It's senior day. Um, obviously, obviously it's going to be early signing day. Uh, we'll be talking about that on a uh, Friday special. Our schedule for the week, we have this today. And then on Friday, we will be having our early signing day special. On Friday, we'll be talking about the signing day, who's signed to where, and, you know, how the dogs have graded out among their top targets. That was Brent Wilson. That was Wyatt Felden. I'm Harrison Reno, and that was the Top Dog Post Game, Top Dog Talk Post Game Review.